All right. Steven Taylor. This is confusing. <laughs> this is already confusing. I wasn't introducing myself. I was introducing you. <laughs> Thanks for having me. <laughs> Absolutely, man. So we've got the, uh, the attractive Steve Taylor and me. So, <laughs> yeah, this is going to be good. So, uh, wow, that sounded a lot gayer than I meant it to. <laughs> oh boy <laughs> this is gonna go great I <laughs> oh my gosh all right so uh did you steve or steven so mom was old school and then when i was younger i had to you know say steven to appear older but now that i'm actually getting a little bit older i'll, I'll go by steve as well all right that's hey man I'll, I'll take that i go by steve just because my mom named me steven and would refuses to call me steve so now i'm like screw it i'm steve you're fighting back yeah well you know i had to do everything i possibly could to appear cooler than i was yeah so yeah oops all right so uh you have a company leading it and you've got a really pretty website who did your website for you um, it was mostly part of Pronto, but a little bit of my design eye and kind of going after, hey, these are the things that I like. Let's make it happen. Pronto does great work, man. They yeah. they did my uh, my MSP webinar site, and I just I, I couldn't justify spending. I was on the three hundred and fifty dollar a month package, so right. I just couldn't justify spending that when I'm a web designer. Yeah. So. And if, and if that's, you know, one of your strengths, then don't pay somebody else to do it. But if sure. you suck at that and need somebody to just do it for you, they'll knock it out. Call Prono. They'll, they'll take yeah. care of you. Yeah, totally. So you talk about cybersecurity threats on your site and you even do it all cute and adorable. Like, cause you capitalize the it and security. It's It's funny. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, it's pun hilarious. but no that's that's good because it you know it kind of plays off of the leading it right so you got leading it you've got your tagline is fast and friendly it then you got a capital it and cybersecurity. like does does i like the the letters it that's like old for you now right like, totally. And it's, it's always been like that old adage, right? Some people I'd say most now pick up on it, but it, you know, you some, sometimes you still have to explain it, it seems. Mm. So the other thing I really like about your website is you've, you've actually got like one, two, three, here's how stupid easy it is to work with us. And, uh, you made it look pretty stupid easy. Now, Let's be realistic. Is it really that stupid easy? IT is never simple. <laughs> um, you know, that the the design of the site was really uh, reading the book Story Brand. And in, in that, they talk about, you know, you've really got to lead the prospect or that customer kind of down that journey and just making it, like you said, stupid, simple, right? Instead mm-hmm. of, um, you know, a big audit or like, you know, getting them all panicked and worried before they even reach out to you and call you. So, yeah, we tried to just kind of design it stupid simple uh for us doing business with us is super easy i believe we've tried to take out as many of the hurdles and the roadblocks but it's it it's technology it's never perfect but that's why we're here for our clients right absolutely and you've even got a nice gimmicky little ebook down here the technology <laughs> you should know but the technology it's technology because it's there you go. k-n-o-w in that so is that is that one of the Pronto ebooks as part of the? I service? believe so, or or just a takeaway from you know how we all all have kind of access to some of those freebies. Got and surprisingly, you know, not a lot of people go after that stuff. You know, they're they're typically, hey, we need somebody to help us out. Let's form fill or or make the phone call. So quite often, the prospects come in via those funnels than the you know the freebies. Hmm. Now. You're you're a cybersecurity guy, and I'm gonna I'm gonna poke at you because I love to poke the bear, Steve. <laughs> Here's what our clients think. So all I need to do is call Mister Tom Palmer, 
from Huntley Park District, Executive Director. Pretend I'm you, because I'm also Steve Taylor. Yeah, this is perfect. <laughs> and let's let's see what kind of uh, social engineering I can I can get away with here. Totally. So, don't you have concerns about putting client names and and like titles, company names, person names on your website? Yeah, you know, we started to redact some of that. Uh, and at the same time, you know, it's so much public, you know, the internet knows everything about us. So if it's not on my website, it's on LinkedIn, it's somewhere else, right? Um, and I think it's still our job, you know, not to bubble wrap everybody and and protect them in the sense where, you know, they, they need to be more aware of what's going on. They need to be uh, diligent in their own right to watch out for something like that, right? And so that's where cybersecurity education, always being on top of, you know, what's the latest, you know, ploy at getting at client data or client information and then educating our users and users to say, hey, watch out for these things. And so cybersecurity awareness is probably more important than just, hey, let's hide all the names and titles and, and client names, right? So basically what you're saying is that you guys are so good at cybersecurity that you're going to, it's, it's like your version of, of driving around with a truck with your social security number on it. <laughs> well, not quite yet. Although I am getting a, you know, more and more confident in what we do. We constantly adapt. It's never going to be perfect. Right. But I think it's this game of, you know, a doing the right things, the best practices. You've got to worry about education and awareness. That's something that, you know, we can't necessarily control or put a policy in place other than providing that as a service and getting the end users to go through that stuff. But it's a game of, you know, always constantly adjusting and continuing to put in more and more, you know, call it a hurdle or best practice or another layer of security, right? Which is another mm -hmm. thing that we've done for years is... You know, you've got to have antivirus filtering at a few different layers, right? You get, you've got to rely on more than one vendor for this kind of stuff. So it's never going to be perfect, but yeah, I do, I do have good confidence in our team to, to not sweat it like, like I used to. Good for you, man. And I'd say that's, let's call it the right answer. I, I don't know. I mean, do, do any of us truly know what the right answer is? No, I think there's so much, right. You know, one of the things is relying on others, you know, the peers in our industry or our vendors, right? What extra knowledge and what, you know, other things have they seen that then we could, oh, okay, I can implement that in our, in our business. Oh, I can implement that with our clients, right? But classic technology, no one of us is ever going to know everything, right? We've got to use our teams. We've got to, you know, use the industry and the vendors that are out there. Hmm. All right. So... Talk to me about what your process looks like for cybersecurity or for just simply managed services for your clients. Yeah, so we grew, you know, when I started, I was always the classic computer kid that everybody knew, you know, aunts, uncles, cousins, everybody else. And hey, can you come fix the computer, Steve? Yeah, no problem. Uh, and so when I first started the business, I quit uh, a job in insurance. I was an insurance broker for a while quit that job and said, you know what, I'm going to do this IT computer support type stuff. And back then I would run around and fix your grandma's computer for 50 bucks. Hmm. Um, but over the years we've grown up, so to speak, into where now we only do an all-inclusive monthly for our clients. So we've got clients in a lot of different industries all across Chicagoland. Um, you know, maybe some of them have 10 users, but some of them might have 200. Um, but we only interface with them on a monthly all-inclusive. So we're going to bring things like firewalls, backups, antivirus software. We're going to provide the projects and the migrations for them. Of course, we're going to do the help desk and all that stuff. And we really do it on this all-inclusive model where they get everything that we do and, and they, they're they going to do it the way we do it, right? We have one vendor for firewalls. We have one vendor for antivirus and we standard you know, technology stack that across all customers. Now, they're in different industries, so their line of business app may be different or they may have a, a few differences than kind of that standard stack, but it certainly simplifies our operation, how we do things. And then it makes it easy too, where we can ad adapt and adjust. You know, you know, this is older stuff, but 
you know, we wanted to ensure all of our clients have X password policy with this framework and a GPO, push that to all clients, right? You know, now more lately, it was uh, dark web monitoring. We wanted to deploy that to all clients and adding more of the cybersecurity awareness type stuff. Um, backup for Office 365 mailbox, whatever it might be, we're able to kind of go get the right vendor that we believe in and then try and mass deploy that to all of our clients so that instead of us having 80 completely unique, completely different, completely disparate clients, we try and get those very much the same with subtle nuances because of their industry. It makes our operation a hell of a lot simpler. And it makes us working with those customers a lot simpler too. Very cool. So I actually, this is my second recording for the day. My first one was uh, Caleb Christopher, and he runs InfoSec. Oh, gosh. My my brain's fried. In, InfoSec.io. Gotcha. I, I thought it was a longer URL for some reason. So it's InfoSec Consulting, and I, I find his service really interesting because he wants to work with guys like you, right. and he wants to basically um, have you resell this uh, cyber risk assessment to your clients, where basically he comes in, he does a third party, we'll call it an audit assessment sure. of, of your client. He'll ask them all the tough questions. He'll ask you a bunch of questions. He'll even let you know, hey, here's everything I found. Um, you might want to take care of these few quick wins before we have our our meeting together in a week. Right, right. And these are the things that I would recommend that uh, the client do. And obviously, it's it's up to you to quote and sell that stuff. Right. So have you ever worked with a third party, um, you know, whether it's a consulting or auditing or whatever to just, you know, check your work? We, so we interface, we, tr we tried to, we interfaced with like a third party audit to look at, Hey, you know, our, our systems locked down, et cetera. And it was a cost thing, right? Like some of these are, are kind of expensive, um, long-term, I think as we all continue to grow, right. And, and the industry I, I believe is going to change, whether it's compliance mm -hmm. or regulation or certification or something, right. Things are going to change because I don't think, you know, the way things are now, it's not sustainable, obviously with all of what's happening in the bad, you know, breaches and everything else. And insurance carriers are just paying out, you know, gobs of money. This is not sustainable for us. I believe we're going to build out kind of that. Uh, my, my goal is to kind of build out that security arm of the company, right? Getting somebody pushed through CISSP certification, right? And then having a team with him to be kind of the security side of the house. That's a little bit of a checks and balances between the typical help desk projects, all those kinds of things. Um, we've certainly done our diligence in going through everything the industry has been talking about. There's some, there's been some great vendors putting out great checklists for, Hey, you know, you've got to have two factor on this. You've got to be doing these things. And then you can go back and check all those boxes. And I would say over the last six, 12 months, our team has done a ton of work to make sure that we are checking those boxes first and mm -hmm. foremost for us, right? We've all got to, we've all got to do this in our own house first. And then we're able to kind of put the mask on the clients, so to speak, you know, with the airplane analogy. Um, so I believe we've done a hell of a lot of work and we've done the right work. But no, we've not gone through and kind of passed that third party audit yet. Okay. And that's that's fair. Oh, I, I corrected my posture and I screwed up my, my camera <laughs> position there. Oops. So... <laughs> All right, so the the next question I have is what types of quick wins do you guys like to look for when you go you bring on a new client and you you just want to immediately we're going to we're going to put these few things in place and immediately start to see everyone 
feel happier and maybe the client's less stressed or they're just really impressed. Like, can you, can you give me like three things that you think you implement rapidly to, to make them super happy? Yeah, I would say, you know, a lot of that stuff comes out in the sales process, right? Classically, the best and the quickest, you know, wins with a cut with signing a new customer are those that are in pain, right? And they're and they're telling you, hey, our systems are just so slow. You know, one of our favorite stories was a client, their email would go down once a week without fail, so to speak, right? And I'm like, we can fix that. I assure you, the team can fix that. There's there's zero reason for that, right? You know, it was exchange, low disk space was my was my off the cuff guess. And sure enough, I was right. Um, you know, so so first and foremost, like let's correct the things that they're challenged with that they vocalize with us off the bat, right? But to your point, I think when we come in with standard good enterprise level firewall and good antivirus software and a rock solid backup system, right? And when we put in the gear that we know, love, and trust, that then makes their environment act more the way it should. It's it's not going to be sluggish when a backup is trying to snap, right? The antivirus software isn't riddling the machine and slowing it down, right? And so when we come in in kind of that first 30 days and do our best practices with our standard stack, the client already is noticing some of these changes. And wow, the technology is starting to work a little bit better and I can trust it a little bit more and it's there for me, right? And then I think the other one would be just being a provider that's there for them. Someone who answers the phone and is there for them when technology inevitably lets them down, right? You know, we, we know that email is not going to connect at, at it for some reason at some point and Susie's not going to be able to get her inbox, right? And she's going to be frazzled and she's going to need help. And all she wants to do is have someone she can call and get that issue fixed. Someone is going to listen and get it taken care of. Versus, you know, some of the other providers that might be, well, put in a ticket and we'll get back to you in a day or three days or whatever it is, right? And so we've built our business on answering the phone, right? And and being readily available for those quick wins, those quick issues. And I think over time that rebuilds that trust because um, classically, you know, maybe they were dealing with a, a one main band who just couldn't keep up, you know, no, no fault of his other than he's busy, Right. Or, you know, a provider that, you know, doesn't have phone support or or it goes through an auto attendant or they really triage it and you can't really get that instant support. With us, it's a totally different experience. And I think that's what's really helped our growth. And and that's cool. But I feel like a lot of MSPs say the same thing. No, no, totally. Um, a lot of MSPs say, oh, well, we're better or, or you know, whatever their their yeah. version is, you know. Oh, we, we, yeah. So what are you doing that is maybe a little more unique to you? And And I get that, you know, installing stuff that's, you know, not just a big heaping pile of crap might be unique to you in your area. But I'm thinking more nationwide unique to you or maybe even just like across the state unique, you know, like. I, I hear you. Uh, but I think it's a funny thing on how simple it can actually be. Right. It, it, it is that blend of putting in the right gear. You know, this is stuff, our process we've learned over the last 10 years. Right. And we may still have a vendor or something that's just not right. We're constantly adjusting that, right? So our soup and our recipe is always evolving based on what's happening, right? But a lot of it is is going back to the basics or the simple things of, you know, you've got to be doing the patches. You've got to have, like you said, really good hardware and software and services that you're bringing. And answering the phone, you'd be surprised at how many com- competitors I still see, right? you know, auto attendant, not there for them, or I'm hearing it from the prospect, you know, they didn't get a call back for a day or two. So it's, it's astonishing to me how simple it is, right? To your point. Um, but it still beats the market of what's out there because there's just, hmm. there's quite a few providers still. And, and I think this is nationwide, um, you know, who are maybe stuck in their ways. They've been doing it the same way for 15 plus years, right? 
And, and maybe they just don't have the team or the resources to be able to answer the phone, to be able to have that fast response, right? And, and yes, it can be in platitudes and it can be just in marketing material. You really should be a provider who delivers that versus just talks about it. Okay. So let's change gears. Let's talk about everyone's favorite topic. COVID-19. <laughs> Don't worry. I want to ask you if, uh, you know, you, you have any strategies for getting your Working PPP loan or, or uh, I'm not going to ask you, uh, how do we, how do we work from home? It's, it's been months. Okay. You know, this, this isn't new. We don't want to talk about that, but I am curious uh, how many of your clients and it, it, I'm not looking for like specific numbers. I'm thinking more like percentage or, you know, that kind of stuff. How many of your clients or how much of your revenue was non-essential? So we've lucked out pretty well. I think, um, you know, a lot of the industry has talked about for years and years, you've got to go niche, right? Go narrow in one industry of clients and and serve the crap out of them, right? And, and you can do that pretty lucratively. I've always stayed based with customers in all different industries, right? We've got some niches. We do a lot with nonprofits. We do a lot with government entities, but we've got car dealerships, park districts, you know, you name it. There's probably at least one client in our book of business that, that's in an industry. And I'm thankful for that, right? Because I feel that that has insulated us. We had um, a handful of customers, not a lot, you know, pull back a little bit. Hey, we're going to, you know, maybe furlough some people or, or kind of put a few things on pause. But surprisingly, I've heard more stories from our clients about how they're thriving in this, right? They actually were able to, you know, ramp up manufacturing because of X, Y, and Z, or business is actually doing pretty well. So we've weathered it pretty well, thankfully, and I, I'm grateful for that. And I don't know if that's, you know, just a little bit of luck of the draw or, you know, kind of because of that, you know, slew of different industries versus, you know, we were, if we were only in hospi hospitality or, or restaurants, you know, we'd be out of business. Yeah, that would suck. Right. Um, and I, I do feel really bad for the MSPs out there that said, you know, I'm going to work specifically with a niche and it's not going to be healthcare or funeral homes or police stations. I'm going to go work specifically with mom and pop retail stores. Yeah. I just well, really I, love working with them. And who would have thought, right? Yeah. Um, one, of the, one of the cool things about all this has been how technology has enabled and saved, right? And I keep saying it, you know, five years ago, I don't know that the tech and the software and the services and the internet was capable of doing what we've been able to do in this, you know, knock on wood, the, the vast majority of this experience has gone pretty well for us. It's not, you know, it's not optimal. We all want to be around other people and we want to be, you know, have that normalcy again, but technology has kind of been saving us all, not only in business and in, in our work roles and in working from home, right. But also in, you know, uh, fellowship and community and being able to meet with people and everything else. Right. It, so it's been, a, it's been kind of cool in, in a good way how, you know, technology has saved us in all this amidst, you know, the bigger challenges. You're, you're absolutely right. And I think, you know, five years ago, this would be a very different landscape. Yeah. Um, and think about it. You know, what was it? 10, 15 years ago. Remember, remember when you're, how, how long have you been doing this? And so we're going to visit for 10 years. Okay. So, before that, did you like work for a consulting firm or anything? I was I was always a tinker. Kind of, I kind of learned by doing. So you know, when I was a kid, twelve years old, I was the one taking apart the computer, putting it back together, like the rest of us. So I've always been around it. Okay. So and the reason I ask is because I remember working for the man, and uh, we we always used to just bitch and moan because. Man, I just wish Semantic Backup Exec wasn't so expensive. 
I just wish we could like pay a monthly subscription for this thing. Right, right. Holy moly, <laughs> this software is expensive. How great <laughs> yeah. would it be to to just pay monthly and then we could get the the latest version whenever we want? It's and it's, now it's, it's and now we've got death by SaaS, man. <laughs> death by credit card payment. <laughs> oh. And now it's like, man, I wish I could just pay like one time, like ConnectWise, yeah. <laughs> here's 10 grand. Can I just have this software and you leave me alone? Like <laughs> it's, it's the double-edged sword of technology, right? On one hand, we're always changing. It's always exciting. There's always more and it's getting better and faster, but it's also the, oh my gosh, hold on tight. Cause here we go. Did, now, so you and I have been uh, operating independently for about the same amount of time. Did you use um, any of the PSAs or RMMs back when you could buy them as perpetual licenses? You know, I, my memory never serves me very well, but um, I think when we first got into some of the ConnectWise stack type stuff, it was more of a pseudo purchase model, not own it for life though, like you might be alluding to. So I remember eight, nine, 10, whatever years ago, uh, ConnectWise, you know, you would pay monthly for, let's call it three years. Yeah. And then the payment would drastically go down because then all right. you have to pay for is the maintenance. Right. And um, now they've, they've really just, they've, they've learned that they've shot themselves in the foot with that. Yeah. Because now they've got all these people that are on the, you know, the in-house hosted perpetual connect wise. And they're like, well, so we made all these new features and if you would like them, we'd love for you to have them, you know, obviously. <laughs> but, and then it's like, man, I paid for this thing. Like stop taking away my maintenance. Yeah. Like, oh, you can pay the maintenance. It's just the same amount as renting it. <laughs> and, and I don't blame them. You know, they're in business to make money too. And it costs yeah. a lot of development dollars to build some of these features. So I, I don't, I don't blame them for, for doing that one bit. I mean, it is genius. Um, and you know, if, if you have the, the perpetual version, just stop paying the maintenance, stop complaining and use it as it is. Yeah. I mean, the product is flawless. It's not like you ever need tech support. <laughs> right. You can't have, see them because they're off, they're off camera, but my fingers are crossed. <laughs> I have a line that says, all tools suck. Just pick one that you're willing to put up with. You know, I wonder if it was you that I spoke with at an event a couple years ago, because somebody said something to me and it really stuck with me. Um, they said to me, because I was that guy that would keep switching. Like every three yeah. to six months, I would switch something. PSA, yeah. RMM, firewall, whatever, man. Anything to not go out and sell. Right. <laughs> so so somebody said something to me at this event, and it's it's always stuck with me. All PSAs and RMMs suck. You just have yeah. to find the one that sucks least for you. Yeah, there you go. That's a good way of saying it, too. So I wasn't you then. No, maybe not. Well, not like that. Maybe it was another Steve Taylor. I don't remember the guy's name. I don't even remember what the guy looks like. That's how poor my memory is. Yeah. So, uh, you know. So, so with uh, with all this pandemic stuff going around, um, have you decided that maybe you are going to maybe focus, maybe not on one industry, but maybe you want to focus on a few industries and maybe they'll just happen to all be essential businesses. Well, I think uh, definitely a few industries came to light in this where I thought, all right, let's go after a few more customers in this segment. Um, but more so, I think it's now a better opportunity for us to look at mergers and acquisitions. Um, I think a lot of uh, IT business owners have have been doing this for 15 years. You know, they're getting a little bit older. It's been it's been difficult as you know prior to this. It's been difficult, right? With this cybersecurity wave, now you throw COVID at that, and I think you've got a lot of people looking at 
you know what? I don't know that I'm cut out for another three to five years of this. Is this my time to exit or merge or do something else? And so I'm, I'm looking to pursue opportunities like that. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, for us, it's, it's continue to grow the way we've been growing. Uh, and then look at a few other, you know, maybe unique or, or more to your point, the essential industries, uh, and keep doing what we're good at. And, you know, like most of us, our businesses classically grow from great referrals and you've got a market for those and you've got to call your customers and ask the question and kind of pull it out of them. But, um, you know, quite often we find more people in that client's industry just by getting the referrals, by doing good work and asking, you know, asking for the referral. Very good. And one of the industries that I love to talk about, because I've I've worked with quite a few of them in my area, funeral homes. Yeah. Now it's it's a bit morbid, I know, but everybody dies eventually, man. <laughs> it is the most essential. <laughs> well, and and you got to think like, okay, we might, uh, th- this country might fall into such disarray where. People are like, well, I'll just bury grandma in the backyard. <laughs> I mean, oh my goodness. <laughs> so I guess there's a chance that we won't need funeral homes anymore. But I feel like that is definitely like, you know, funeral homes and, um, you know, guys like us, we're not supporting hospitals, you know, they've, un- unless it's for, for something real specific, like, like maybe you're running their Cisco phone system for them as, as outsourced consultants. Yeah. You know, more primarily it's small medical offices, things like that. Yeah. Exactly. Not exactly. You might, you might be working with, you know, eye doctors, dentists, uh, PCP, you know, right. primary care physicians, you know, but you're not, you're not going to be working for Cleveland clinic. No. So those would be great if you could get into some, some healthcare and another thing that would be great is financial. Absolutely. And always. And, and I think quite a few actually have niched in that or done well and carved out a, a bit of that. We had, we've had, you know, a couple at times and over the years um, and they've been good customers, right? It's a necessity in their business. And I was looking at this uh, document. I'm, I'm going to pull it up because I don't want to misquote anything. It's the IT spending and staffing benchmarks for 2019 and 2020. And this is by Computer Economics. You know, I, I didn't write this. I'm not, I'm not trying to claim any of this as my own. But the interesting thing that, that they have in here is how much certain industries spend on IT. And it's actually, the results will shock you. No, really, it, it's it's actually kind of shocking when you look and you see, holy moly, here's how much some of these these companies spend on stuff. And the the average for financial services is that for all IT spend, which I assume also means equipment, internet, phones, maybe, you know, yeah. it gets a little dicey when, when you start getting into telecommunications because some, some companies se- segment that out, you know, but right. um, they're, they're talking about how it's four to 12% of the gross revenue wow. for financial services. Yeah, um, that's more than I would have guessed. Right. It's a lot of money. Mm-hmm. Um, and financial services is the highest when it comes to how much how much they spend. So um, the lowest might have been retail. I don't remember. Yeah. Uh, right. I didn't care about the lowest. I, I, didn't, <laughs> I cared about yeah, the highest. The target markets. Um, healthcare was the second highest, but that one was still more like a two and a half to six or seven percent type of thing. So wow, if you so think about it, yeah, financial services is where the money's at, man. And my, again, it was very generic what I saw. So it's not like it said, well, you should go after this type of financial service or because this one's on the 12% end. 
avoid these because it's, you know, I don't know, but you know, if, if you think financial services, it's more than just banks, you know, I feel like, uh, more than credit unions too. We're not, we're not trying to play semantics here. Um, I'm also thinking of people that do like wealth management and that type of stuff. Totally. And you might think, well, those guys all work for the big companies, but most of them don't work for them. They're 1099s, which means they have their own staff that, that they pay. They have their own building and they have their own technology. So a lot of those like insurance places and wealth management, investing, um, all of that stuff those those are typically independently operated. Yeah, and in my experience, we've had you know some of those that might have ten or fifteen employees, all the way up to thirty five or fifty. And you're absolutely right; they're their own kind of animal. Now they'll interface with a broker dealer, and you ha- might have you know compliance things. But like exactly. you said, that's where the money's at. It, is, it sure is. And you know, you brought up compliance, and that that takes me to another good point. And I. I can't wait to have this conversation again Um, because I don't remember if I had this conversation on the air or off the air uh, with Dave Sobel. Um, IT is one of those industries that like, why are we not regulated yet? Like there is so much risk with what we do. And you look like I would, I would like to think that what we do is just as critical, if not more critical, than what some other professional service providers can offer. Yet, you know, there are attorneys out there charging 400, 600, 1,000, and more an hour. And then yeah, we're I, out there struggling to, to do one or 200, you know? So I, I, had, I was a, f- a few years as an insurance broker, right? Licensed, had to go and, and do continuing ed and all that kind of stuff. And so I'm fascinated by that. You're right. Like somehow we've flown under the radar maybe. Uh, and I think moving forward, that's probably going to change. I'm, I'm not totally sure how. But even if you look at it from, you know, cybersecurity insurance perspective, the apps, I, I pulled I pulled our clients to get their cybersecurity apps from a bunch of different insurance providers. And some of the apps were, you know, do you have backup? Check yes or no. Whereas others were a lot more robust in asking, is it a daily snapshot? Do you have the entire image? Is there an offsite? And making sure that, you know, the client was checking those boxes. And I feel, again, I said it, you know, these carriers cannot keep sustaining half million dollar breach and ransomware payments. So eventually they're going to have to change something, right? Premiums are probably going to go through the roof. And or maybe do they start to look at our industry and say, well, we need you to be vetted or there needs to be something before we're willing to, you know, insure our clients, right? Or does it come down from the government and there's some type of, you know, ongoing education, certification, accreditation, whatever it might be. I definitely believe something's got to give. And I, and I agree with you there, but I don't know what the something is. I don't know what the right answer is. Nope. You know, I think you and I can both agree, like, we're not politicians. Yeah. We have no aspirations of doing any of that. Um, so it's, it's tough. It's really tough. Yeah, I think something will change. I don't know what yet. And it, it's classic. You know, do I necessarily have any control over it? Can I change it? No. So right now I'm not exactly worried about it. It's just in the back of my mind for the horizon you know, to be prepared for what might change. Absolutely. All right. So what else you got, man? Anything? What? Uh, you know, one of the things I want to talk about, which I've been fascinated with for the last you know, couple of years, I'd say, was <laughs> you're getting ready for it, huh? Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, the, the data report every year, right, where they do the survey. The second uh, biggest worry on or need from all of us in the industry, right, number one, sales and marketing, right? And I think that there's so many different resources, there's so many different vendors in that space. But the number two one was work-life balance. And uh, it's something that I've been fascinated with, right? I think as most of us do when we start our businesses or we're in our business, we, we give it everything we've got, Right. 
we spend every day, every hour attached to our phones, attached to our notebooks, right? And it's work, 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 work. Uh, and you, and you kind of have to, right? To build a successful business, you have to do all that stuff. Um, but like I alluded to earlier, you know, this industry is getting older. It's getting more challenging, you know, it's being more taxed. And so I think it's hugely important for all of us to, you know, help and encourage each other to take some time out of our day, right? Get outside, take care of our health, right? And in, in an interesting way, COVID has, uh, you know, kind of highlighted some of this stuff. Our, all of our commutes went down to zero. We're able to spend more time at home with family in a good way. And, um, you know, there's less of the busy schedule than before. And so uh, it's something that I often spend time on and thinking about and kind of designing my own life. I want to continue to grow my business and be successful and help others. And, and, and our growth is going to mean more good for more teammates and more clients. Um, but I'm not willing to do that by sacrificing myself, so to speak, in health, wellness, you know, travel and all those kinds of things. And so I've made a lot of different shifts in my business, in my life over the years uh, towards that. And, uh, I'm out there, you know, putting some messaging and content to that end, right? How can you kind of live the life that when we all first started our business, what did we want? We wanted financial freedom. We wanted, you know, the ability to be, uh, control our own schedule and our destiny, right. And to be able to go and do the things in life that we all love. And I think for most all of us, we end up, you know, buried in the business, working in the business versus on it. And then, also too, to working on our life and, and what we want out of our lives. Hmm. I like that. So you brought up the data report that um, they have not released the 2020 yet, right? Not to my knowledge. I haven't seen okay. it. Now, when, when is the next Datacon? Uh, was, wasn't it recently or just, just now postponed or canceled, right? Yeah. I like I, it- I thought they were going to do it remotely, but I haven't really been paying attention to be honest. Well, I think that's news of, you know, the last week or two. It's, it's brand new news. Gotcha. Okay. Well, that's good to know. So, um, looking at their report from last year, the data 2019 state of the MSP report, you can get it like literally just Google it. Um, 56% of MSPs specialize their services for a particular industry. Oh, there you go. 56%. And of the group, the most popular verticals are healthcare, finance, and legal. Yeah. Now, legal is a concern for me these days. Um, I'm sure people have jokes, but the reason I say that is because, like, courts are all closed, like we literally, I've, I've got colleagues that are, are trying to go after former clients that they're not going to get any type of uh, judgment or anything until the end of July. Everything's on pause, huh? It is. Yeah. So with that, like our, our law, f- I, I don't even understand, like what are law firms doing right now? You know, so Because I know they do more than go to court, you know? Yeah. We've got a couple, but I think maybe it's because it's in, you know, one of them specializes more in real estate transactions and that kind of thing. Um, And a lot of them are working from home trying to do things. But yeah, the the court side of it, you know, either slowing them down or inhibiting them, I guess it's just going to create a backlog of work that when the, you know, doors, so to speak, open that they're going to be busier than a pig. Mm Mm-hmm. And you also mentioned um, what's keeping MSPs up at night. Right. Marketing and sales and work-life balance, like you said. Revenue growth is third and ransomware cybersecurity is fourth. Like, I feel like cybersecurity should be up so much higher. Absolutely agree. It'd be curious, right, if we look at the 2020 data, if that doesn't jump up a few categories. It really should. And And to clarify... Um, when I say, you know, third and fourth, so people were able to select multiple choices. It was one of those choose, check all that apply. So 30% of the people that responded said ransomware, cybersecurity 
are something that keeps them up at night. That's a concern. Nobody was worried about customer churn. That was 6%. I am so, I'm dying to see what some of these numbers look like. Um, this year, whenever they release the state of the MSP report yeah. for 2020, well, I, because especially it really depends on when they did the survey, you know? Yeah. Well, and with cybersecurity, like, I think even if you feel like you've got the boxes checked and you've got your, your bases, you know, things are in order, you should still be concerned about it. It's an ever changing thing that I don't know that we're ever going to get perfect. Right. And so for me, it's always a concern. And, and we have a weekly meeting, you know, with a few team to like be paying attention to what's happening. You know, maybe vendors are putting down information and in news. Maybe you're hearing about breaches. Okay. Can we get a little bit more information on how that happened? And then again, this constantly adjusting thing. So I, I would think that that should be on all of our minds throughout, you know, the months and days. It absolutely should. What else is spinning around the head of Steve Taylor? <laughs> um, you know, I, again, it, it's kind of a crazy time. Everything in life is both sides, right? I think with COVID, uh, it's been exciting to see technology shape and enable all of us. It has also been a hell of a lot of work for all of us in the industry. Uh, and that comes, you know, at a time where it's not like we weren't busy to begin with, right? With all of, uh, you know, the, the end of the end of last year was, you know, Windows Seven and server migrations and everything else, right? The cybersecurity wave, and so it really has been this trifecta of a hell of a lot of work in, in a good way and in a challenging way for our industry. Uh, and I guess that just gets me to go back to, you know, I often hear from. You know, those of us in our industry, our peers, everybody else. And you can almost gauge how well someone is feeling and doing and acting based on how well, you know, they're taking care of their health and wellness or their fitness or whatever it might be, right? It's going to be individual to you. But uh, I think now more than ever, it's a super important time for us all to be taking care of ourselves, right? What am I doing to recharge the batteries, so to speak, and and be at the top of my game so that we can show up the best for our teams, our company, and our clients? Um, because it, this industry, I, I don't think, has ever been more challenging. Absolutely. <sighs> my brain hurts, man. <laughs> or at the end of the week, right? We're about to move into the four-day week where... Thankfully, you know, we do kind of get that one day off uh, mm -hmm. more so than usual. And so, yeah, it's, it's that classic uh, Friday, man, we, we did a hell of a lot this week. It's time to go rest. It absolutely is time to go rest. Before we do, I'm dying to know, do you have anything special or exciting planned for Memorial Day? I know that you're probably not necessarily doing the thing that you had hoped to be doing this time of year. Right, right. Well, so I got a little antsy a few weeks ago, and uh, I actually started taking a road trip. I've got a van that's kind of decked out, hmm. and uh, I thought I was going to be gone for the weekend, but I ended up taking a three-week road trip all along down the East Coast, down into uh, Georgia, and got to kind of get out, you know, be outside, be near, be near the ocean. Uh, and so I'm thinking I might do a little mini repeat here this weekend with with the extra day off. So, well, good for you. Yeah. And if you if you find yourself driving through the Cleveland area, let me stop know. on over. Well, <laughs> wait, wait rest, on over. Restaurants are opening. Oh, uh, see, so, yeah. <laughs> so if you decide, hey, you know, I'm really craving like wings. Like for for those of you that have actually been paying attention to these episodes, can you tell I am just dying to get out and get some flipping wings? <laughs> like, <laughs> just. Ah. <laughs> Finally, I, it's opened up. I want to order like a hundred wings and have them all delivered to me. <laughs> you have no idea. I'm I'm fiending. Yeah. I'm 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 like I'm gonna call uh Buffalo Wild Wings, be like, hey man, I got the money, you got the stuff. <laughs> <laughs> you got the hook up? <laughs> man, can you bring some of that over? <laughs> <laughs> Never, never done drugs in my life. 
<laughs> but weed is doing so well for me right now. And what I mean by that, Steve, is uh, I started day trading just for giggles. <laughs> well, you know, like I said, we all have a little extra free time. We need a different hobby now. What else am I going to do? Uh-huh. So, so I keep buying all these all these random stocks and then I'll, <laughs> and then I'll sell them like right. after I'm, cause I'll make, I'll buy stuff. And like more times than not, I I've so far for the most part broken even. All right. So more times than not, I'm able to, in my opinion, sell them and make a boatload of money. It's when I start buying stock options that I really screw up my, my metrics. Right. But I keep, buying pot like it's on the up it is it is really like (laughs) (laughs) what i keep telling my wife when they legalize it in ohio i'm gonna try a pot brownie to celebrate that'll be the first time i've ever used weed Uh i'm gonna walk into a dispensary and i'll be like hello good sir i'll have three weeds please uh-huh. It's, it's such a funny transition, right? Going from like the underground illegal, we don't talk about it, to now, oh, I'm, uh, I gotta, I gotta go to the store. Well, what's real interesting is when you, uh, when you look at the the research, you know, because because I've I've got Robin Hood Gold, Steve. You know, oh. I'm, I'm taking my day yeah. trading very uh-huh. seriously. Uh, no, I just want access to the money that I put in there. You know, so. Um, so, but they give you all this extra research, right? And yeah, and so you know, you you look at, uh, I think right now the the one that's doing really well for me is Afria, yeah, A P H A. You're like, oh yeah, I know that one. I've got yeah, three hundred shares. Was that? It's on my watch list. <laughs> well, I am up total return eight point seven percent. Wild. I've got a hundred shares of it. I never thought in a million years I'd say I've got a hundred shares of literally anything. Like, (laughs) (laughs) um, but, but what's interesting is, uh, you know, like all the research that you see on this stuff, depending on which one you're looking at, it's like, well, you know, we think it's going to kind of plateau once it gets to about here, because there's such a big black market for weed still. I'm like, black market weed? Oh, that's literally what weed is in every state where it's not legalized. (laughs) Oh, boy. The the old way of doing things. The old, yes. Literally, it's just Ohio weed. That's what they're talking about. (laughs) I don't even know where to get weed. Where do I? Is there a, is it in the phone book? Like... (laughs) How do you find this stuff? <laughs> Steve's like, stop asking me these incriminating questions. Yeah. <laughs> All right, man. Well, hey, uh, I know today's kind of a short one, but it's, you know, it's 430. I want us to to leave early and, and get a, a nice early start to our three-day weekend. Absolutely. It's good talking to you, Steve. You too. Thanks so much for hopping on here. And uh, I'd love to pick your brain sometime about cybersecurity. In fact, I want to introduce you to uh, the guy from Infosec.io. I think you two yeah. would. I cool. think you two would love the conversation. You could nerd out together; it would be great. Yeah, great. awesome. Take Thanks. care, man. See you.